Aren't you glad for what the Lord's done for you? Amen. I'm so grateful. So grateful. He took me from the guttermost to the uttermost. And I want to start today in Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1. I want to do it out of the Message Bible. And I don't recommend you study in the message. It's a paraphrase. It's not an actual translation. But sometimes he says things in language we can get real easy. So Jeremiah 18, 1 out of the message. God told Jeremiah, up on your feet and go to the potter's house. And when you get there, I'll tell you what I have to say. So I went to the potter's house and sure enough, the potter was there working away at his wheel. Now, when I was in Bible school, several of us girls decided we were going to have a girls weekend away. So I think there was about five or six of us and we got some hotel rooms and we all carpooled over to Eureka Springs, Arkansas, and we were going to watch the great passion play. Well, before the passion play, there was a potter demonstrating the art of pottery making. And I didn't know it, but I had an appointment that day with the great potter. I learned so much as I watched and listened to the potter as he worked on the clay that day, demonstrating all the different things for us. Um, and so I want to do some things here in a minute, but let's go first to Psalms chapter 40, verse 1. Psalms 41, uh, 40, verse 1, out of the uh, King James. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. He brought us up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. Clay is found and harvested from clay pits. Back in Bible times, they would find a vein or, or, a, or a place where they had the um, clay. And then they would just keep digging at it and digging at it till they had a deep hole. And they would have to go down into that hole to get the clay that they needed to make the pottery. It was a dark, damp hole. And if the hole was very deep, it was nearly impossible for you to get out of it on your own as the sides were too slick with clay. You needed somebody to pull you out. How many of you know before Jesus, all of us pieces of clay were stuck in the bottom of a terrible pit. I don't know about you, but I once was in that pit, in the dark, covered in the filth of my own sin, hopeless, unable to get out, not knowing what to do. I was lost and undone. From a distance, I could see the light, but I couldn't get to it. But I'm so glad God wasn't content to leave me there. Do you remember what you were like before Jesus? 
Do you remember how you went from tragedy to tragedy, drama to drama, trauma to trauma? We were lost and undone in bondage in the darkness, unable to help ourselves until he came. So I asked the worship team to stay and sing this song because it reminds us of who we were.
Thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Glory to God. You can have a seat, but do you remember what it was like? You know, I was virtually born on the pew. Uh, I was in church from a few days old. Church was never an option in my family. You know, at times when I was a teenager, my mother chased me to the car with a belt, made me go to church. But I tell you, he met me there. Though she made me go, he met me there. And you know what? I don't have one of those testimonies where I was a gangster. You know what I mean? But I was a sinner. I was cut off from my God. Lost in the darkness. Covered in my own filth. Unable to help myself get out. Until he came. My two favorite words in the entire Bible are, but God. But God. How many of you know that's who we were? But God. That's what we were. But God. The scripture goes on to say, but God, who is rich in mercy. Oh, he's so rich in mercy. For his great love wherewith he loved us. He climbed down into our misery and brought us up, yes. cleaned us up. Yes. And as the scripture says, set our feet upon a rock. Is everything okay? Yes. 
I don't read lips. You know I don't read lips. Okay. <clears throat> when a potter makes something with clay, the thing that he makes is called a vessel. Does that sound familiar? Amen, yeah. We're referred to as vessels. The bottom of that vessel is called its feet. Psalms 40, verse 2. He brought us up also out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay, and he set my foot upon a rock. Glory to God. He set our feet upon a rock. Back in the Bible times, a potter's wheel was a flat round stone that would spin with either his hands or his feet depending on how it was made. He set our feet on the rock and that stone on the potter's wheel and he begins to work with us. Now this potter's wheel that I got is a uh, cheap child's toy from Walmart. But I wanted to demonstrate to you how a potter does with the clay. Now, I didn't want to stand up here and have to kick some stone or, you know, so I just bought this at Walmart, all right? All right. He went down into the pit and he rescued us out. Glory to God. Brought us up out of the darkness. Took us and set our feet upon a rock. his pottery wheel and he begins to work with us making us into what he desired us to be I need my water thank you they washed my bowl it's really funny I had Pastor Mark take this bowl outside last night and wallowed around the mud so it'd get the clay and mud on it and then they washed it between services it makes me laugh um, so very nicely washed whoever took the time to wash my bowl thank you um, <laughs> oh, you're fine. So, okay. So, uh, what he does is he puts us on his rock and then he begins to work with us. He takes the water of the Holy Spirit, that living water, and he begins to drench us in it. But you know what? When we're, if we're off balance, then what happens is our hands throw off, or the potter, the, the clay throws off the hands of the potter. He can't work it like he needs to because it's not centered. It's not centered on there. In fact, potters call that a self-centered pot. How many of you know a self-centered pot doesn't want the hands of the master forming it? They think they're fine just the way they are. Now listen, the problem with a self-centered pot is when the heat comes, and how many of you know, heat comes. That's right, that's right, amen. In life, heat comes. When the heat comes, if one side of the bowl is thicker than the other, then what happens is the clay that's thicker puts too much stress on the thin side and it cracks, becomes a cracked pot I don't know about you but I don't want to be a self-centered crackpot right, 
Sadly, I think at one time or another, we've all been self-centered pieces of clay, off balance, bouncing from one thing to another, trying to find fulfillment, trying to find our way, stumbling around in the dark, not yielding to the hands of the master potter who wants to shape us and make us into beautiful vessels of honor, fit for his use. But when you're self-centered and when you're off-center, it throws off the hands of the potter. Jeremiah 18.1, out of the message. God told Jeremiah, up on your feet and go to the potter's house. And when you get there, I'll tell you what I have to say. So I went to the potter's house and sure enough, the potter was there working away at his wheel. And whenever the pot, the potter was working on, turned out badly, as sometimes happens when you're working with clay, the potter would simply start over and use that same clay to make another pot. Then God's message came to me. Can't I do just as this potter does, people of Israel? God's decree. Watch this potter. In the same way that this potter works his clay, I work on you, people of Israel. At any moment, I may decide to pull up a people or a country by the roots and get rid of them. Now, how many of you know that makes God sound arbitrary? And people have used that to say, see, God's just going to destroy who he wants to destroy and do what he wants to do, so what's the point? But they didn't read on. It says, verse 7, at any moment I may decide to pull up a people or a country by the roots and get rid of them. But if they repent of their wicked lives, they put themselves in line for destruction by not serving him, by not doing with him. He said, but if they repent of their wicked lives, I'll think twice and start over with them. Glory to God. His focus was on mercy. He's saying, even if you mess up, if you come back, I'm going to put you back on the potter's wheel. And we're going to start over. Glory to God. Glory to God. I love him for that. He's the God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances. You know, you just got to love a, an intelligent child. And my daughter, when I was little, when I was little, she was little, used to argue like an attorney, still does, but that's another story. She could make her case very well. And one time I was headed in to discipline her because she wasn't yielding to my hand of discipline. So my hand was fixing to administer more discipline. And I came, you know, I came, I came, I was headed for her and she said, you're not acting like God. She knew I'd want to act like God. She said, you're not acting like God. God always gives second chances. I said, girlfriend, the problem is you're like on number 43. <laughs> Even God is long-suffering, but he's not forever suffering. But my point is, he's way more patient with us than we ever have the right to expect him to be. He said, if they repent of their wicked lives, I'll think twice and I'll start over with them. At another time, I might decide to plant a people or country. 
But listen, if they don't cooperate and won't listen to me, I'll think again and give up on the plans I had for them. Merciful, merciful God. Listen, I don't want to forfeit the plan of God. I don't want him to give up on me. And scrap the plans he had for my life. No. I want to be smack in the middle of his will. I want to put myself on the potter's wheel. Say, great potter, make of me what you will. I submit myself into your hands. You know, the Bible says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Well, listen, I can guarantee you he loves me. Because I get whoopings all the time. You know, when I worked before I went into the ministry, held a secular job, the Lord wouldn't let me get away with anything. I didn't know I was going in the ministry. I was just working a secular job. But if I brought a pen home, I'd feel guilty about it. I'd make sure I had to get it back to work because it wasn't my pen. I was like, Lord, why are you being so tough on me? What about them? How many of you know he had different plans for me? I didn't know it. And just before I married Pastor Mark, you know, I, I, I'm a very social, jovial kind of person most of the time. And uh, I might have, in an attempt to be funny, uh, made fun of myself or made fun of other people just for a laugh. Not intending to be mean, but just for a laugh. But how many of you know that is not a good trait in a pastor? Aren't you glad I don't make fun of you? So before I married Pastor Mark, the Lord came to me and he said, girlfriend, you're going to have to reel it in. You're going to have to reel in your soul. You're going to have to change. My point is, he's always refining us. Always refining us. Because he has great plans for us. And we don't always see them. And listen, it's not a good trait in a pastor to make fun of the sheep. You understand? And I don't do it, so don't wonder. I don't do it anymore. I have been redeemed. All right? Well, listen to me. God has great plans for you. Plans to bless you and help you and give you a good life. But you have to cooperate with him. You have to yield to his hands. Don't make him give up on the good plans he has for you and just let you go your own way. An off-center piece of clay on the potter's wheel will make a vessel with walls that, that are not of the same thickness and cause you to be a cracked pot. Let him mold you and make you yield to the potter's hands. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good. Plans. He's got plans. He doesn't just have ideas. He's got plans for your life. Plans for your good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. But you got to look with your whole heart. 
I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. Do you see what he wants to do with them? He wants to end their captivity. Even the captivity you brought on yourself by your own sin. Whether you're bound by habits, whether you're bound by uh, thoughts that you ought not have ever given into, but you did. No matter what it is that held us bound, he's more than willing to end our captivity. But we have to seek him with all of our hearts and yield to him. He said, I will end your captivity. Listen, if you've ever really been captive, you'll be grateful. And restore your fortunes. He'll restore the things you've lost. Do you hear me? Some of you, God wants to restore some things you've lost. Even through your own choices. Listen, you may not ever be able to go back and reclaim an ex-spouse. But God can restore marriage to you. He can restore happiness to you. Do you understand? There are things that you forfeited by your own hard-heartedness that he wants to restore to you. He said, I'll gather you out of the nations where I sent you and I'm going to bring you home again to your own land. How many of you know when you've been in captivity, it's a good thing to come home? The King James Version says of verse 13, And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all of your heart. You'll find him when you search for him with all of your heart. If you give God the surface of you, you'll get the surface of God in return. He's a gentleman. He's not going to force his way in. If you don't want him, he'll let you not want him. You want to be a knucklehead and do it on your own? Then he'll stand there and let you do it, but I don't know why you'd do it. Some of you are looking at me funny. If you think you've got it all together and you don't need God, you are a fool and don't know it yet. You just don't know it yet. The Bible said, I... The psalmist said, or Proverbs, one of the two, I I observed the way of the wicked and I could have been jealous until I observed their end. He said, you'll find me when you search me with all your heart. I heard this story. I don't think it's a true story. I don't know if it is or not. I doubt it. There was a spiritual leader who was, uh, had some disciples, and one of his disciples came to him and he said, I want the relationship with God that you have. I want the power that you work with. I want to know God the way that you know him. So he took him down to the river, took him out in the water, and all of a sudden he grabbed him and threw him under the water and he held him down. And a few seconds, you know, maybe, maybe a minute, And he let him up. He said, what do you want? He said, I want what you have. And he put him under the water again. And he held him down. 
this time for maybe 90 seconds. And the man came up and he said, what do you want? He said, I want what you have. And he told him and, he, and the man was like, what are, you, what are you doing? This time he held him down until he perceived the man was about to drown. And he let him up. And he said, what do you want? He said, air, I want air. <laughs> he said, when you want God as much as you want air in this moment, that's when you'll find him and have the relationship with him that I do. How bad do you want him? How bad do you want him? How bad do you want that good life that he has for you? How badly do you want to escape from just being, you know, sitting in the dark and stumbling around in the dark and, and running into things and, and not knowing who you are or why you were created? Listen, if you want to sit there in the darkness and not come out with the potter, he'll let you. But why would you? Why would you? King Asa in the Bible was a good king. And he sought the Lord with all of his heart in the early days. But a prophet came to him once and delivered to him a warning from God. 2 Chronicles 15, 2. And he, the prophet, went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, inquiring for and of him, inquiring for him and inquiring of him, craving him as your soul's first necessity, then he will be found by you. But if you become indifferent and forsake him, he will forsake you. If you seek him and crave him as your soul's first necessity, more than that guy wanted air. Do you seek him? Do you crave him? Is he your soul's first necessity? Do you yield to his hands when they try to shape you and help you and form you? Ephesians 2.10 for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship. How many of you know we are his handiwork? Amen. He created us, and he created us on purpose for a purpose. Amen. Every one of you vessels out there, he created you on purpose for a purpose. Yeah. And it's a purpose that will give meaning to your life beyond anything you could have made for yourself. I couldn't have made for myself a life as good as the one he gave me. Listen, when I was a teenager, the Lord said to me, will you stay single for me? He was hitting at the heart of who I am. It's like the rich young ruler in his, in his riches. The only thing that got me through my childhood was believing that someday my prince would come. Someday my prince will come. 
that someday somebody would come who'll love me and understand me and take care of me. And he'll come galloping in on his white horse and he'll swoop me up and put me on the horse and we'll ride off into the sunset together. That's what got me through my childhood, thinking that someday somebody's going to come who'll love me and take care of me and understand me. And when the Lord said, will you stay single for me? He was asking for that piece of me. And I wasn't willing. But I wasn't brave enough to say it to his face, so I just didn't answer him. (laughs) But how many of you know not answering is an answer? Later, it took me 10 years-ish to say yes. But when I did, he set me on the path to meet a wonderful husband. I have a great husband who genuinely loves me. At least I believe he does. (laughs) Understands me. Takes care of me. He's given me a, a, a daughter that I never expected to have a child. He's given me a a ministry that fulfills the deep things of my heart. I tell you, I am totally fulfilled as a woman and as a person, and I couldn't have done that for myself. You can search the rest of your life and never find that good life God has for you on your own. Met a lady at Bible school who drowned. I don't know if she drowned. She died. I don't know what happened to her. She died. And they took her to the hospital. They rushed her to the hospital trying to revive her, doing CPR, trying to resuscitate her. And finally, a few minutes later, they actually did get her heart started again. And she told me, though, she said, in that interim period of time, I went to heaven. And she said, when I saw Jesus and I looked into his eyes, every desire I ever had was fulfilled in that moment. Wow. All that longing on the inside of you that you're trying to cover up with illicit relationships that leave you empty and used and broken. All of that empty place on the inside of you, you're trying to fill with alcohol and drugs and and all the garbage of the world. It will never satisfy. Because you were created for greater purpose. You were created to be a habitation of the most high God. Wow. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, so that we may do those good things which God predestined and planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prearranged ahead, which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life. Living the good life. Which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. He has prearranged a good life for you, one that'll satisfy all the desires of your heart. Yeah. But to get his plan, you've got to do it his way. Yeah. 
If we were to have read on further in Jeremiah 18, when God was telling them to return so he could help them, God told them, turn back from your doomed way of life. Straighten out your lives. But they just said, why should we? What's the point? We'll just live the way we've always lived, doom or no doom. Listen, if you want to be a stubborn, rebellious knucklehead, then God gave you the free will to be able to do that. But you're just inviting death and destruction and pain in your life when it doesn't have to be. And sure enough, destruction came upon them. If you read back in Jeremiah. But my point is, it didn't have to. You know, it reminds me of the story of uh, Eli the priest. He was, uh, high, I don't know if he was high priest, but he was, he was a priest in Israel back in the day in the temple. And he had two sons that he would not make behave. And these sons were, the Bible calls them sons of the devil, sons of Belial. And they, what they would do is when people brought an offering to the Lord, they would steal it instead of offering it to the Lord. And when the ladies would come to the temple, they would, they would have sex with them instead of, you know, uh, leading them into worship or whatever it was they were supposed to do. I mean, these guys were bad. And everybody who came to the temple seeking God, they were defiling. And God sent someone to warn him. And he said to him, if you don't get your sons under control, something's going to happen and great destruction is going to come upon your family and it is, uh, it's going to cost you your lives, basically. And he said, it's going to be so bad that the ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. Did Eli repent? He didn't. He said, he's God. Let him do as he wants. Well, you know what? They all three were killed in the same day. He and his two sons. Just a short while after that. But how many of you know that didn't have to happen? That didn't have to happen. God is so merciful. His thought is always, how can I redeem them? How can I get them back to me? How can I help them? Yield to the hands of the potter. When you yield yourself into the hands of the potter, he'll straighten you out. Put you in the center of his will so that you can live in stillness. I like peace. Our home is very peaceful. Not because we don't have opinions. Not because we don't have things to work through. But because we have chosen to live submitted to the king. And live uh, as best we can in the center of his will. So that in our home there's stillness. I like it. I grew up in trauma and drama and chasing my father around and who is he with now and my mom's dissolved in the puddle on the floor again. I'm like, no, I ain't playing that game. I'm not doing that. I'm not living that way. When Pastor Mark and I married, I told him, I said, I'm not living that way. If you're not serious about serving God, if we're not going to do this for real, if we're not going to go after God with all of our hearts and keep ourselves clean and right before God, then don't marry me. Because I don't want to live that way and I won't live that way. 
He's a great guy. One of the highest compliments I can pay my husband is that he's the same man out of the pulpit as he is in the pulpit. You may not realize it, but that's a rare trait these days. He loves God, running after God with all of his heart. I love God, running after God with all of my heart. Are we perfect people? Heavens, no. But we love God. And we like stillness in our home. We strive to love one another and to be peaceful with one another. Because I'm not going to do the drama and trauma. I, I done been there, done been there, done done that. I didn't buy the t-shirt and I don't want one, all right? But why would you be self-centered and keep yourself off balance and out of the will of God? He'll let you do it, but it throws the hands of the potter off. But when you yield to him and you allow that precious Holy Spirit to soften up the clay of your heart, then what he does is he stabilizes you. He puts you in the center of his will. It reminds me of a song that we used to sing when I was growing up. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay, mold me and make me after your will, while I am waiting, yielded. And still, he forms you, puts you right smack in the middle of his will, where there's stillness and where there's peace and where you're free of trauma and drama and, and flipping all around and fighting the hand of God. I'm telling you, if I had time for a few more minutes, I'd have worked off all the edges of this thing uh, and, and you could have seen a better demonstration, but you get my point. As you're yielded to him, receiving of his spirit, he's able to maneuver you and get the rough edges off of you and put you right smack in the center of his will. And then he, he, he takes you and he puts his thumbs in you and gives you a heart. The inside of a vessel the potter makes is called its heart. Then better yet, he comes to live inside of that heart. Get out of there. Thank you. The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Can you see that? We may just be Clay pots. But we're clay pots that contain the light of God on the inside of us. 
We're clay pots that have precious treasure on the inside of us because he came to live down on the inside of us. Sometimes I get amazed that God even knows my name, let alone would call me his own and move in on the inside of me. But we have this treasure of him hidden in our earthen vessels. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says this out of the Amplified Classic. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts so as to beam forth the light for the illumination of the knowledge of the majesty and glory of God as it is manifest in the person and as it is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. However, we possess this precious treasure the divine light of the gospel in frail human vessels of earth that the grandeur and the exceeding greatness of the power may be shown from God and not from ourselves. Listen, when God shows up and shows out, when you minister to somebody, listen, everybody knows it's not you. Or they ought to know. One version I was reading last night made me laugh. It said, uh, so everybody would know it's God, not us. Yeah, like they would get that mixed up. <laughs> How many of you know if God is opposed to using imperfect human flesh to get his will done in the earth, he has a terrible system? Why? Because that's all there is. Is imperfect human flesh. Listen, he never expected you to be perfect. All he wants to do is have you submit to him. Put yourself on the potter's wheel and let him work with you and let him make you into what he's created you to be and give you that good life that he's ordained for you. Amen. There's a purpose for your life. There's a purpose for your life. There's a purpose for your life. While the potter I was watching that day was talking, he mentioned that the inside of the vessel is called its heart. Near the end of his demonstration, he asked if we had looked around the pottery that was surrounding him at all the beautiful vessels he had made. And he asked us if we had picked out our favorite piece. Now I knew he was trying to sell his pottery. But I dutifully looked at all his pieces and he had made some beautiful pots from clay and as we were all looking at all the beautiful pieces surrounding him he said this he said I want to show you my favorite vessel and he picked up the dirty bowl out of which he had just been taking water to form the clay and he said this is my favorite vessel because water taken from its heart was used to form all the other vessels that you see here and many more beyond. Immediately, the Spirit of God smote me. I'm sitting out in the audience. The Spirit of God smote me and he said to me, that's you. That dirty bowl is you. He said to me, you will never be a showy vessel 
fit for a king's palace. No, your place is in the workshop next to the potter so that I can take from what I've placed in you to shape other vessels into what I created them to be. Unique, beautiful vessels of honor fit for the master's use. Wow, God called me a dirty bowl. <laughs> and it was the most beautiful thing anybody had ever called me in my life. For the first time, I understood my purpose. I knew God had something for me to do, but I never knew what. Now he was saying, come, come, be by me. Stay with me. Stay by my side. And I'll take from what I've put in you to shape other vessels into what I created them to be. That's you. Unique, beautiful vessels of honor fit for the master's use. Glory to God. I'm looking around here today and I see lots of beautiful vessels. Lots of wonderful vessels. I see years of his work as he shaped you and molded you and shaped you into what he created you to be. But listen, I fulfill my purpose only so long as I open my heart to you. And I'm willing to give out of my heart to each person that he brings across my path. In other words, even if I was a bowl full of living water sitting on the potter's table, unless I'm willing to let him take out of my heart and shape other vessels, I don't fulfill my purpose. When he reaches down into my heart and stirs up the living water that he's placed in there, then I know he's about to use me. And as I open my heart and give out of my heart, then I fulfill the purpose for which I was created. Now listen, this is a drinking vessel. But this drinking vessel can be full to the brim with li living water. I almost ran it over. To the brim. But if this vessel isn't willing to open its heart and be poured out into someone else, then it'll never fulfill its purpose. It can be full to the brim of living with living water. And thank God we need to be full to the brim with living water. But it's not until we open our heart and we're willing to be poured out into other vessels to quench their thirst yes, yes. that we fulfill our destiny in God. Yes. What does he put on the inside of you? What does he put on the inside of you that humanity needs? What has he put on the inside of you that this world who's lost in darkness and bound by sin, what is it he's put in you that they need? You have to be willing to open your heart and give out of your heart what he's put in you. That's when you fulfill your destiny. 
And the more you pour out, the more he pours in. It's a good system. Listen, even if you're a water hose, I tell you, when the water hose goes, the, there's, the water sticks to the hose. You understand what I'm saying? I tell you, this, this, uh, this little cup here, it got watered when it was full of the water and poured out to someone else. Listen, the more you pour out, the more he pours in. And the more you pour out, the more he pours in. Glory to God. This picture they're going to put on the screen is the actual bowl from the potter's demonstration that night the Lord talked to me. He called me a dirty bowl. It was beautiful. But listen, what does he put on the inside of you that he wants to draw out? But you've got to open your heart to do it. When our nursery workers rock and love those babies and tell them of the love of God for those babies, they are pouring out of their hearts into the least of these. It may be that no one but God sees, but they're being poured out by his hand into others. And those little vessels are being shaped and enlarged by the love and the pouring out of what's in those nursery workers. When you share a kind word or a batch of cookies with a neighbor or a coworker in need, you are pouring out of what he's put in you and fulfilling your purpose in life. When our worship team leads us into the presence of God, they're opening their hearts and pouring out into us from what he's placed within them. And aren't we glad for it? What does he put on the inside of you? <clears throat> what is he wanting to draw out of your heart to bless others? It's only when you open your heart and give out of your heart that you fulfill your destiny. Joe Morris, he's a prophet that we used to have in some, and we'll have him in again someday, but it just hadn't been the right season right now. Um, but anyway, he's crazy. That boy is crazy. Uh, he, uh, he's liable to do anything. You think I'm crazy? That boy is crazy. Um, he was laughing one day and he said, some of you got God down on the inside of you, but you hadn't let him out in so long that when he comes out, he's still going to be in his 70 bell bottoms. <laughs> still in bell bottoms from the 70s, you know, with the peace sign and the headband and the... Because you haven't let him out in so long. Wow. <laughs> let him out. Let him out. Let him shine out of you onto other people. Let him pour out of you the living water from the Spirit of God. Watch their lives be changed. What has he put in you? I tell you, it's not until your heart is broken open and you're willing to give out of your heart that you fulfill the purpose for which you were created. Listen, each of you are special to God. I look around and I see his handiwork before me. 
He's got a plan, a great plan for each one of your lives. But you've got to yield yourselves to the hands of the potter. You've got to let him keep working on you. You've got to let him uh, take off the rough edges and get you in the center of his will where there's peace and quietness so that he can begin to build you up and form you into that beautiful vessel of honor that he's made you to be. But even at that, it's not until you begin to pour him out that you fulfill the purpose for which you were created. There is a place for you. You were created for purpose. There's something only you can do for God. So open your heart and be willing to pour into others what he has poured into you. I want to pray for you. Father, we come before you right now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for these vessels of honor that sit before me this day. And Father, I thank you that you are pouring into them the living water of God. You're pouring into them and working with them and helping them, Father, creating them into what you created them to be. I ask you, Father, to help them to break open their hearts and be willing to share you and be willing to share of the living water that's on the inside of them that someone else who's thirsty can be saved. Father, there's a lost and dying world out there. And Father, I'm not unmindful that with lost humanity comes clay that gets on your hands sometimes. But Father, you weren't afraid to get dirty for us. You weren't afraid to open your heart and love us to wholeness. And so, Father, show us. Show us the direction in which we're to pour ourselves out. Show us what you have put in us and where it's supposed to go. And we purpose to obey. And Father, we put ourselves back on the wheel today. Anything that you need to, to uh, hone off of us so that we can be more usable in your hand. I thank you for doing it. We yield to you. We submit ourselves to you. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Now, keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. And if there's anybody in here who's never made Jesus their Savior, never gotten their sins forgiven, you've never even got out of that pit to get on the wheel, I want to give you the opportunity to do that this morning. Is there anybody who said, I have never received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I want to today. I want to get my sins forgiven. I realize that I'm lost and still in that pit, but I need to come out. He's just waiting. He loves you. Is there anybody? Listen, he's not mad at you. If God had wanted sinners punished, all he had to do was leave us alone. We'd have lived miserable lives and died and gone to hell. But he wasn't content for that, so he sent his Savior. Is there anybody who would say, Pastor Rhonda, I once walked with God, but I've walked away and I want to come home today. Is there anybody in here who wants to come home today? 
All right. Do you have something? Yes, lift your hand. Did I not say that? So I know who I'm praying for. All right. Well, in case there's somebody at home or somebody watching the video, okay. I see that hand. Church, let's help them, and let's help those at home that might be watching. Let's help them get back today. Get back on the potter's wheel. Pray this with me, and mean it with all your heart. Father God, God, I believe believe that Jesus is is the Son of God, God. that he came to the earth, that he he took on flesh, that he died on the cross cross for my sins, sins. and he was raised from the dead and and seated now at your right hand. And I receive him as Savior and make him the Lord of my life. Jesus, come into my heart. Father, I want your plan. The plan that you planned for me from the foundation of the world. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen.